0: Cochlear Implant Basics is a site for candidates and their families and friends. If you have been told you qualify for a cochlear implant, these podcast interviews tell how receiving a cochlear implant can be a life-changing experience. You will meet recipients who face a hearing loss and that hearing aids could no longer provide comprehension of speech or music. They faced growing isolation, inability to socialize or compete in the world of business. The joy of music disappeared. They explain how receiving a cochlear implant changed their lives. Welcome to Cochlear Implant Basics. A reminder, Cochlear Implant Basics is not sponsored by anyone, nor is it offering medical advice. Please consult your own health care provider. Good morning. Good morning. I'm talking to Susan, and would you just tell me your name, where my you name, are, and today's date?
1: My name is Suzanne Tillerson. I go by Susan. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, and it is May 10th, 2021.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about your hearing loss, how did it occur, how old were you, so on and so forth. I'm going to let you cool. have the floor.
1: I have Meniere's disease. So, I've had Meniere's disease probably from a very, very young age because my mother tells me that I would have dizzy spells and spin and fall. And my brother would hold me and help me and try to calm me down because I was always scared. I didn't start having hearing loss though until in my late twenties. It was very, very mild. Everyone said, don't worry about it. I got to the point where I could not walk. I could not function. I was dizzy all the time, throwing up all the time. And I met a doctor named Hubby Rizik, and he determined that it was, in fact, Meniere's. I had been diagnosed by a local ENT who didn't know anything about Meniere's, but didn't know anybody to refer me to either at the time. Dr. Rizik, however, he studied Meniere's disease in London. And it was a passion of his that he was going to come to the United States and he was going to take control of this. And my husband took me to my medical doctor, carried me in and said, fix her. And my medical doctor standing there with his mouth open going, well, I can't, but we'll find you someone who can. And they sent me to Charleston. Actually, that was six years ago. So... Through treatment to get my balance back, we also started working on my hearing. So we tried hearing aids for a little while. They did not work. My vertigo got worse. I had an endolymphatic sac decompression. And shortly after my recovery from that, I got hit by a patient, and it destroyed the ear. So then I had to have a labyrinthectomy, and that was my first experience with a cochlear implant.
0: Did they do it simultaneously?
1: No, they did it a year apart because I had actual other physical damage. That one's kind of hard to talk about, but I had, you know, broken nose, lost teeth. It was a uh, lot.
0: Because yeah. we have one other interview with Moner's patient, and she had the labanthectomy and the cochlear implant done simultaneously. So you're in a different that's situation. Normal.
1: That's normal. That is normally how that would be done. Okay. But since I had other damage and... I couldn't walk, and there was so much to it. I couldn't even talk. There was a lot to that.
0: So. Now you had the one done. How was the rehab when you had the first one done?
1: Well, I was de- very, very dedicated to vestibular therapy. So when I knew that this was going to happen, that I knew the surgery was going to happen, I just hunkered down and did the vestibular therapy with the PT offices and then I learned a way to do it at home by myself so I modified their therapy to fit a one person therapy and did it all every day I mean an hour every morning every day to where I got to where I could walk straight everything I left my labyrinthectomy the day I had it done most people stay in the hospital a couple of days and I left we ate dinner after and It was a four-hour drive. We stopped halfway, and I ate dinner. And he tells me that it's because I did all the vestibular therapy before. You know, it was terrifying, you know, because the explanation of the surgery was that it was going to be difficult. I'm going to be very ill after. If I'm up at all, I'm going to rely on a walker. I did use a cane for a little while.
0: Okay, and your hearing, when you got the cochlear implant, describe that, the activation. Oh,
1: See, I wasn't expecting anything because I was still hurt. I was still internally hurt by the whole thing. So I wasn't expecting really great things. The day I got activated for my cochlear implant on the drive home, he called me and asked me how I was feeling. I had already hooked it up to my phone.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) He was playing with it. So I had already hooked it up to my phone and was trying to hear little dots and beeps and everything. Well, he called on my phone and I answered it, but I answered it with my cochlear implant. I didn't realize it. And we had a full conversation through my cochlear implant the day I was activated. And I said, I'm hearing you through it now. I can't believe this. And I was able to have a full conversation. Words like we would be having right now, because I'm not connected to the computer, were harder for me. That took rehab. So I've used this ear only. i would read out loud. i would listen to old music that I grew up listening to, which in my case is Elvis, because that's what my mother loved. And it was just great. That's how I did my rehab. I did my rehab kind of, He told me I overdid everything. I'm his all-in girl.
0: I think the lesson learned here is the fact that when rehabilitation takes place, you can make your own. You just have to be dedicated to doing it. You can't expect it to happen overnight. You had a rock star activation.
1: I did. I had a rock star activation and he tells me that because when I got my other ear done, he told me not to expect it to be like the first one.
0: Well, that's a very good point. Tell me about the second one. How did that go?
1: The second one was the past October a year ago. So 2020 mm-hmm. I had sudden hearing loss in the right ear for about a week. I heard a high pitch roar and then it was gone. It was nothing. It actually was scary, horrifying, and it was from an activation of the meniere's on that side, and then the trauma that I had previously. He says associated with that. I knew right away. I want a cochlear implant. There is no second guessing that.
0: Did the same surgeon do the second one?
1: Oh yes. Which it's hospital? Musc at Charleston. Okay medical university of south carolina
0: was the second Um, activation as good as the first or
1: it didn't come off without a hitch like the first one i chose a different mode i have an n7 on this side but it Mm -hmm. was over here since the n7 is more flexible i put it on the ear that i had a little flexibility with with this ear i have no flexibility because i had a Mm labyrinthectomy so I can't do different things with it because of that. So I ended up with a Kanzo over here, which is what I originally chose for this year. So when the Kanzo, they put it on, I was immediately disappointed when they activated it because it was Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's all I could hear. And before I didn't have the Alvin and the Chipmunks sound. This time it was nothing but Alvin and the Chipmunks. Everyone sounded like it. And I was just waiting on Dave to talk, you know, Simon, Theodore, and Dave. And I actually was depressed for a few days because it was so different. But I took off my processor over here and I started reading out loud. I started listening to the music. I started doing everything that I was supposed to do that I did it on the other ear. It took twice as long. I did not have any vertigo with the surgery because of the rehab that I do every day, but it took a lot longer. But now, I mean, it's not even been a year that I've had this implant. So I can take this one off and function perfectly over here because I still consider that part of the rehab for it.
0: Would you ever get another N7 for the other ear at some point?
1: For this side, no. I like the Canso. I get better sound quality out of this ear. I don't know why there's a difference, but I still get better sound quality over here.
0: It's interesting because I like to... Use a phrase, the phrase that no two hearing losses are exactly the same. Those individuals are fingerprints, and the rehabilitation's the same way. And you've shown that with two different modes of cochlear implants, really, that you can still function very well. I'd like to ask you a little bit more about your career and how the cochlear implant had an effect on what you do. To talk more about what you do for work in your life,
1: I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for almost nineteen years. And I thought that my hearing loss was going to end my career. And most people do. Most people go into this thinking that they're not. I talk to people online all the time who think, okay, I'm not going to be working anymore. And I'm always like, no, you keep going. You keep trying. You keep working. You can do it. So being a nurse, we use stethoscopes that go inside the ear. You know, they don't work because you can't hear. So I use an echo an Echo Core, and it actually transmits through my processors now. That's actually a new thing they have. It normally would go through your phone and then go to your ears. But now I can my stethoscope with my processors. But the last year, since COVID hit, they call it deployed. I'd never considered us fighting in the Army, you know, being in a war. But we were taken from a hospital that was for med surge, appendectomies, gallbladder surgery. I see you have your surgery. I make sure you're good. You eat, you drink, you go to the bathroom, you go home. I liked that. I liked seeing that progress that she's due. When we were brought over to this other hospital, I see people who are sick and dying and They can't breathe. They're struggling. And the only way I can do my job is because I have my implants. Because I would not be able to hear them breathe. I would not be able to hear their heart's beat. I would not be able to listen to their fears or at the beginning, be their mother, sister, daughter, niece. You have to be everything for that patient. And if I could not hear them properly, I would not be able to do it at all.
0: But you were able to do it with the cochlear implant. Yes, absolutely. That brings me to a very interesting point because I read recently about, I believe the pronunciation is arcuculation, the ability to hear the heartbeat or hear through the cochlear implant. Mm-hmm. The internal sounds are so critical that if you don't hear them exactly right, you may not be functioning properly. You may not get the right diagnosis. Could you talk a little bit about how you hear through the uh,
1: stethoscope? At first, it was through my phone, and then it was sent from my phone to my ears. So I trained myself while I was out. I had downloaded videos of normal heart sounds, and I listened to those through my stethoscope for several weeks. Then I started listening to abnormal heart sounds. And now I'm proficient. I'm more proficient now than I was before I had my surgery, before I lost my hearing, because I didn't put this much time into learning normal and abnormal heart sounds before I lost my hearing. But I was determined that you're going to know what you're doing because you're not going to screw this up. So, now I have this echo stethoscope that I can unhook and put on a person's chest with enough pressure. I can be doing something else while I'm listening to their heartbeat. So, especially if they're asleep and I can listen to their rhythms and I can listen to that heartbeat. And especially if a patient is not doing well and is going to pass away and you can listen to their heartbeat and hear that, okay, they're not progressing This is going to be the day um, I need to prepare their family. But I had to train myself first. So I downloaded audios, recordings of normal, abnormals, all of it. While I was out on leave, that's what I learned to do.
0: You're unbelievable. You are a total inspiration. People are going to listen to this and understand, I hope, that having a cochlear implant makes you unstoppable.
1: Well, I've been unstoppable so far. The only time that it catches me off guard is when I lean against a metal wall or door jam, and this one flies off my head, (laughs) and then I'm like, I've dropped it. And you crawl around (laughs) on your hands and knees thinking you've dropped it, and there it is on the wall because the magnet is so
0: strong. How many people have left it on their car doors, drive away, (laughs) find it at the the other end of the ride?
1: Mm-hmm. I had this happened in a nail salon and I stopped this lady from getting in her car because I didn't know where it went and I'm on my hands and knees and she needs to leave. And I'm really sorry, lady, but you know, if I lose my implant, I'm toast. So you're gonna have to wait. It was on her car door. <laughs> it was, you know, but, you know, I've had a lot of fun with my implants because There's a lot of stimulation that people have to get used to, especially when you're bimodal. Once you have bilateral hearing, all this extra sound comes in that you haven't been used to for a long time. And in my world, it's very loud. In my family, and my work, and everything, it's all very loud. You have to unplug sometimes. And after a major event at work, after it's been loud, and it's hard to concentrate on one person when it's loud, especially when we're wearing two masks, headgear, all this gowns and everything. And you can only hear the movement of your gown. And you're trying to focus on a doctor. At the end of that, I would go in a little room and take off both my processors and sit there and unplug for just a few minutes because there was so much stimulation. That was a challenge for me.
0: I hear that all the time that I'm overstimulated. I I need to take a break. Everybody's different. And including the scan programs on your individual processors, people like different ways of hearing. So I set
1: mine, if I'm having an emergency, I click my phone, I change it to a different program, and it's direct focus is what I use, and so I can hear the doctor only. And it helps knock out everybody behind me. And I can run that code with my doctor. And I can hear him better or her better. Whoever's giving the orders, I know how to run code. But you have to wait and see what this doctor wants to do next.
0: One thing I'd love to talk to you about was because your hearing loss was relatively late and Mm -hmm. relatively sudden. Talk to me a little bit about your coworkers, the doctors you work with. The other nurses who work with, were they cooperative? Was there a problem? They they knew you had an issue.
1: Yes. I was very clear because I had to get a new job after I was injured. So I came into this job that I have now. I was so open about it that I wanted her, the person that I was going to work for, who I didn't know I was going to get this job with. I am deaf. I'm going to have other surgeries because I hadn't had my right ear done yet. And I needed her to understand that at this point, I'm not normal yet. I'm going to be, but I'm not there yet. And I was still having some episodes of the dizziness. And at first, you know, it took her by surprise that I was so honest about it. She hired me on the spot (laughs) because when I left the other hospital, I was devastated. Like two weeks, I was devastated, didn't do anything, And then I put up my resume and I got 23 phone calls in 48 hours. That changed my whole world. I went with one interview for a place that I wanted to go. And she hired me on the spot. And it changed my life.
0: Talk a little bit about your future. I understand you're going through more studies for advancement. Tell us what you're doing and where you're going to be.
1: Well, I think I'm going to end up finishing at Clemson, which Clemson University is where I got my bachelor's degree in nursing because I started out slow. I got my associate's degree, worked as a nurse, went back, got my bachelor's degree, worked as a nurse, was getting my master's, my nurse practitioner's license when I got injured and had to stop because I could not do all of it. I could not get well and focus on getting well and do that too is a lot. So I'm going back, but I'm gonna do nursing administration and leadership because I wanna be a leader in the field. I wanna be the person that says, yes, you can do this, but you're gonna to have to work at it because that comes in nursing too. You don't walk in out of school and know how to do everything. You know the basic function of life that you don't know the basic function of how a hospital operates or the machinery. And I want to be the person that helps those people. You can do this. I met a nurse who was losing her hearing and she was just starting out. And she came in and realized that she couldn't hear well enough to hear the heart sounds. And so now she is getting a cochlear implant. So it's like, this happened to me in a really bad way. And the injury and everything, it happened in a really, really bad way. I'll feel sorry for myself for like a week. And then, all right, I'm done. Let's make this work for some other reason. This had to happen so I could do something with it. And I've met several people now who've had implants because, hey, you can do this. And call me. I've got you. you know. And it's been really nice. That's what I want to keep doing.
0: You never know who you're going to help. You never know what their future is going to be. You have a mission. It's like my. I mission. have a mission.
1: You have a mission, yes. And, I love your mission.
0: And we have to talk to people who are scared to death that they've mm-hmm. lost their hearing, scared to death about a cochlear implant because they have misconceptions, yeah. that brain surgery, that it's going to sound mechanical. Mm-hmm. So we both have a very parallel mission. And I really, really appreciate the time you've spent with me. I'm sure your story is going to inspire others to move forward. Do you have anything you'd like to add before we close?
1: Just that I'm really glad to have met you and talked to you. I've read things that you've written and what you've written to other people. And I think that your mission is so important to get this out there to everyone, because we are definitely a minority. You don't realize it until you experience it.
0: Thank you for being part of the same journey. I appreciate your time. I hope you have a chance to speak again soon. And we'll take care.
1: Take care.